Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of The Untitled Shiro, the podcast dedicated to highlighting and celebrating everyday women and their career journeys. My guest today is Malebu Nkosi. She works as an engineer and also has an initiative called Tutopele that provides tutoring assistance to high school students. Welcome to the show, Malebu. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, pretty much excited about being part of your podcast and the initiative that you currently have in terms of highlighting um, all the great work that females are doing in their various fields. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think you're one of the good examples of um, the type of women I'm definitely trying to shed a light on. Um, and it's, you know, something that we need to keep doing, you know. Definitely. And yeah, I feel like with anyone, uh, if you have like a great initiative or if you've, you are thinking of a need that uh, is there to address, like go right ahead. And the fact that you are addressing something that you feel like uh, has not been shined, like that, there hasn't been that much light shined on this uh, topic. So it's really good that you took the initiative and was just like, I'd really like to celebrate the unknown or the untitled Shiro out there. So kudos to you. Malevo, let me uh, give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Okay, um, everyone, my name is Malevo Nkosi. I'm 25 years old. I currently work for um, one of the biggest automotive um, companies out there. I've never been able to like really introduce myself because I'm just like, what do I need to say to anyone that says, who am I? You get what I mean? It's it's always been like one question that I struggle with to say, introduce yourself, you know? So because I, I believe like I'm a multi-potential potential light and I have like a lot of stuff to say about myself so it's quite it has always been like a challenge for me to say okay this is who I am in like five uh sentences or so <laughs> so I'll, I'll just try but currently I am working in the automotive industry and um I'm very much passionate about education and it translates into like a number of initiatives that I'm currently busy with, Tutopele being one of them, as you've already mentioned, and community living being um the second one. But there are various other initiatives. That's great. Um why don't you just start off by telling me how you got into engineering? Okay, so I got into engineering or I started wanting to study uh, engineering from like grade five or grade six. I think I was one of the lucky few people since then I've been like working hard to do that. Um, In terms of like I watched this other show called Hip to be Square. They were um, just showing like different things related to mechanical engineering. And I was very much fascinated by uh, the field and I was like okay I'm smart enough to do this <laughs> back then I didn't think I was smart enough to do it so then I think the journey uh, was primarily focused on achieving that so I then went to like a technical high school um, whereby I studied mechanical technology and later on I went to study um, mechanical engineering at the University of Pretoria. So you were motivated really by um, a, t- a television program? <laughs> well, when, like, I guess deciding to, like, which field I wanted to study, yes. 
within the like the STEM field, uh, I think the uh, whole thing regarding studying something related to the STEM field was very earlier on in my life because I uh, I was born in the village and when I was born there wasn't electricity and I think when we got electricity I was just very much fascin- fascinated by the whole thing of like oh okay how does this thing actually work you know so um I think that's when I was just I just started uh liking anything related to STEM fields and uh, mechanical engineering made sense when I was in grade five or grade six. That's how it started. Who would you say, you know, as you were trying to, you know, you've already said that you were very interested from like that grade five, grade six level. Um, were there any people in your life who kind of kept you motivated and kept you on track, especially through high school? Because that's really where you start determining or what you want to study and where you want to go. So were there any people like that in your life? Um, I say throughout my academic journey, my aunt was my role model. She was the first person to go to um, university in our family. And I think the fact that I saw her study at some point and I was just, I just knew at some point that I had to like go to um, university or further my studies, right? So that sort of kept me on track as much as I was like uh, from a township and there were a lot of things that I could have, that could have derailed my journey to what's like uh, studying further or not uh, like things that might've uninspired me in like my journey. I think she just was, she was just the beacon of hope, like seeing her life, seeing what she's done for herself and seeing what she was doing for my, for our family, just, kept on motivating me to want more for myself. And as much as other things were happening around me, they never really, yeah, like I was never derailed by those things in, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's really important um, when you're trying to, especially in those critical years as a teenager, to have people who can motivate you and mm-hmm. keep you on track to follow the path that you that you really desire. You've, you've talked about mechanical. Did you study mechanical engineering then? Yes, I studied mechanical engineering. Uh, that that was a four year degree, and uh, then I also did my postgraduate um, in an honors degree in uh, engineering technology management. So, yeah, I didn't want to go straight to. I didn't want to follow the mechanical engineering route. I broadened like uh, what I wanted to study by uh, taking engineering technology management. What was your experience like as a student um, at Tux? I think it was definitely a culture shock. Uh, as I've already mentioned, I was coming from like a township. And prior to that, I was born in like a village. So coming to like a big city or a suburban area was quite new to me. And it was it took some time for me to adjust to the lifestyle. Like I think one example I would give was... Um, in metric, I had a phone. It was a Galaxy Pocket or something of that nature, right? And in, like in my school, it was like quite a nice phone. Then when I got to varsity, I'm seeing people with like Galaxy S3, S4, S whatever. I think I started uh, seeing the differences in wealth, classes, race, 
like things that I've never had to actually think about because of the community that I come from, which is everyone was sort of the same world class. Everyone was the same race. Mm. You know, I never had to like um, think about those things before going to varsity, you know. So adjusting wasn't easy, but I did find like very good friends who I'm still very good friends with till this day, you know, that made the journey more bearable. So um yeah, I think that's how my journey into like, it was a six-year journey <laughs> uh, as much as it was a four-year degree because some things happened. And I don't know if I can say that the culture shock did contribute to um, not like to me not completing in time and all those things, but I don't want to like blame it on one thing because it was a lot of things uh, that led to that, you know? Yeah, but I think it's it's interesting to to hear people's experiences. Um, so so everyone's experience is very unique to their their own self, right? So so what what were some of the? I mean, you've talked about having like a good group of friends to keep you, but what were some of your sort of life hacks to to getting through um, the the degree? I think just keeping my family like close to me. Like the reason that I studied in UP and I was from like Pretoria was that my family could be like very close, you know, to to me. So like at a minute's notice I could go home, you know, if things were very hard in school. Like I could just decide, okay, today I'm going home and I'm coming back like next week or whatever. So yeah, that was one of the things that helped me throughout, just knowing that my family is right in the city that I was studying in. Um, and other things would be that, like, friends that kept on motivating me, as much as, like, I uh, failed some, like, subjects and stuff. Like, you know, uh, how failure was looked at, that, okay, it was a mistake or it was this and that, but we we find a way of moving on, you know, we find a way of improving. Um, like we don't look at this as like the final destination is like, this is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, that's it. Friends that were just motivating me in every manner possible. Um, so, so how did then, when did you come up with the concept of Tutopili? Is that something that came about after school or while you were still, um, a student? Uh, it, came about while I was a student and it was after I failed my uh, final year. So I was supposed to have completed my studies in 2018. And unfortunately that year um, I failed my design project, which added a year. So I think uh, like after that, there was, it was a very dark period for, for me. Um, I sort of used other coping mechanisms that were obviously not um, good for who I was or good for the period that I was in. And it got to a point where I think, I don't know if it should be a religious thing, but where I felt like God was speaking to me about 
starting Tito Pele. So that's when I decided to start Tito Pele to say that, okay, I am struggling. Um, as much as I'm struggling, there's someone else that's also struggling that doesn't know that it's possible, their dreams are valid, and wherever they are, someone cares, you know. So I think in the midst of my pain, I was able to like find the energy to want to inspire someone else mm-hmm. to not feel the same way or to have a better future. And um, yeah, that's how uh, like I decided that, okay, let me put out the call, get the kids to be inspired by someone who has a similar background as them as well. Yeah. And I think that's so important, you know, that, um, and it's it's really interesting to hear because I've heard um, a bit about your initiative, um, you know, and the calls to getting tutors on on board to help students. It's always interesting to hear people's stories of how it came about, how you came about to wanting to support and encourage students um, to to study further. So what what grades do you guys focus on and what subjects do you guys tutor? Uh, so we focus on grade 10 to grade 12, um, and we tutor both math and science. So those are like, uh, I guess, STEM-filled subjects. And our past operational model was more focused on tutoring on weekends, but we have now migrated from physical uh, sessions to online sessions. And we decided to use WhatsApp because it was the platform that the kids have, have uh, access to more access to, you know, because coming from a poor background, it's not easy to have your Google Classroom, your Microsoft Teams, which are more convenient. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we have to meet the kids like in an area where they are more comfortable because we are not yet at a point where uh, funding is easily accessible or we have um, access of uh, resources where we can just maybe buy data for all the kids and have those type of um, online sessions that we'd like to have in the future. Mm. But yeah, that's where we currently are in terms of tutorial. Why the focus on STEM subjects, so the maths and, and the science, um, and not, say, for example, other um, subjects? Is that because um, you, you found there was a bigger need in those areas or because you can, that's some a, an area or subjects that you can easily um, translate your skills over and, and, and assist students with? Yeah, it wasn't because we, we thought like the other subjects were less important or anything of that sort, no. I actually encourage like the kids having a wide variety of skills, a wide variety of exposure to anything really. Um, so it just happened that we know that they were struggling with um, both maths and science. And we, since a majority of us actually studied in like um, STEM field, uh, like type of subject or uh, qualifications, then it was easier for us to translate our existing skills to uh, what they yeah, I get. I guess what they were missing, which was uh, someone who was qualified or someone who has the know-how in terms of those uh, subjects. Mm, very interesting, and and uh, I think STEM is it's it's one of those areas where um, it's it's really important to motivate kids from an early age, an early stage um, to get involved with those subjects. Um, 
Yeah, but we're not really pushing that narrative, if we're being honest. It's more of uh, if you are interested in this like field already, you already have the interest, but the quality of education in our country is not of the standard where kids from township schools are receiving the same quality of education as like your IEB schools. So it's just a matter of like bridging that gap of saying, how can we provide quality education to our less fortunate um, students or less fortunate communities? So that's how we went about it but we're not necessarily saying that more kids or more people should be in stem fields um but we do understand that stem fields it's something that they aren't enough qualified or enough excellent um teachers around to actually get the kids to a point where they're excelling in the in the subjects so i I don't want to go into the stats, but yeah, like some of it, you'd find that 30% is the average for the entire grade, you know, and we all know that you can get into a STEM field mm. um, qualification, especially in like a traditional university with 30%. So it just leads to the kids one going to like either colleges or universities of uh, technology. So it was just the matter of like bridging that gap so yeah, that's why we went for STEM field subjects, but we're not pushing the STEM field subject narrative. Got I don't you. know if you know what I mean. Yeah. What have been what have been some of the successes you've seen through um your initiative uh over the years that you've been running the, the initiative? Uh so there are I think two that I can think of. Um, so there were two kids that we, that went for like a competition that was related to public speaking and, um, we were able to get to know the kids on a, like a very personal basis because we helped them prepare. Uh, they came, they, there was a point where they came to my race actually to prepare for the competition and all those things. And even Till this day, like until this day, they're still having like testimonies of how that uh, opportunity like has shaped and changed their lives for the better. You know, um, I think just giving any individual the opportunity to find uh, that space where they can start dreaming bigger than what they thought was possible, you know, or believing in them and like validating that they are like, you know, they're worthy of anything that they want to do, um, gave them that opportunity to just go in any direction that they want. Like one of them is a poet. One of them has just recently started his business while he's in metric. And I feel like those stories, as much as not everything that we did was like uh, the direct translation to what they're currently doing, but it does um, just shed light to say that if you give someone an opportunity, they can actually become more than what they initially going to be without you you know having uh like help them out or something of that nature because that's that's how i actually got like access to some of my opportunities because uh, people believed in like going back to my school and coming to talk to us and that shaped uh who i am today as well it wasn't just my aunt it was people that were coming to like uh, underprivileged communities, just talking to us. These are the opportunities um, 
this is what you can do to get there, this and that and that. So I think um, those are the, like the two stories that I have. And then another one was of um, one of the students who was who we taught in uh, grade 11. And then when he went to metric, unfortunately, we couldn't teach them anymore because they had their own uh, program. But then uh, after he matriculated and he got straight, almost straight A's for uh, his subjects, he came back and he's actually now like a tutor on the program. So that was, that actually made me cry because that's what the model is supposed to be like. Mm. The other kids that are currently in the program, whenever they uh, get uh, like to university or whenever they get opportunities, they can come back and actually also start having the impact in, within the community to say that we also come from this community, but we're able to make something out of ourselves and it's possible, you know? So, yeah. That's, that's so amazing to hear. That's really, really amazing. And it, and, and it must make you so proud to, to see that kind of paying it forward, um, yeah, movement. definitely. Because that's exactly what TTPL is about, paying it forward. Like, really, it's not about anything else apart from people realizing the power in their numbers and realizing that if we all do something that we're passionate about, there will be change, you know. Um, but we all just have to understand that we have an instrumental role that we can play in creating some form of change for someone, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Malibu, I want to get into a little bit more about you now um, and your career as an engineer. Um, what has that been like moving from being a student to to working full time and um, some of the experiences that you're learning um, through the, the work field? Currently, uh, I'm on a graduate program, right? And I won't say if it's unfortunate or not, but... I'm not working on like uh, projects that are related to mechanical engineering. So I'm working on projects that are about like project management itself, then uh, the mechanical engineering component. But one thing I've realized is the importance of allowing yourself to learn and allowing yourself to be developed by anything that you're doing, you know? So as much as I'm not like, you know, crunching numbers or as much as I'm, I'm not like working with big machines, I'm working around those big machines because it's in the automotive industry, mm-hmm. but um, the work that I'm doing can be seen as like soft skills or the soft skills is soft skills part of the mechanical engineering but uh it's also as equally important to learn all those stuff so i've i have like about a year worth of working experience and i feel like i haven't even started but yeah that's how working has been for me way um i'm not working with machines but i see the importance of the field that I studied or the qualification that I studied mm. in my everyday role, you know, the way I think, I think it shapes the way you think more than uh, anything else or the way you do things more than anything else. Mm. And where would you like to go? Like what, what, what is kind of your idea for your career path? Mm. <laughs> okay. In terms of my career path, I'm, as I've said, I've, I only, I only have one year worth of working experience. So 
I would like to learn as much as I can, especially from like the current company that I'm working with. And then I will like uh, decide what I I can do within the career a path that I've chosen. But I'd say 10 years from now, I don't see myself working for corporate. So I don't know if it will translate into consulting or anything of that sort. But yeah, I'm more of an entrepreneur than I am uh, someone that will likely work in corporate for too long. So that's where I see myself. I don't know how what it's going to morph into in terms of my career field. But um, yeah, like in terms of my personality, I know I would probably be self-employed 10 years from now. That's really interesting. That's really, really interesting. And I think I see a, a little bit of that coming out through um, your your videos that you post on um, LinkedIn. That's generally where I see your videos. Um, I think you, you said it's yeah. called Community Living. Um, yeah. Where you give financial tips, um, tips and tricks to people who, who are looking to build financial wealth um, yeah. as young people. So talk a little bit, a bit about that. Yeah, okay. So... Community living came about, uh, I think it started about five months ago. Um, So the reason that I started the channel was that I wanted to have like a practical approach to finance. So for some reason, money is still big taboo for a lot of people. It can be discussed openly. Uh, People can't even tell you how much they earn. Like it's, I don't know. Um, too confidential or too much of a shame or whatever it is. So I wanted to just say, like, how can we as young people make good financial decisions from the get-go, from the first salary you're already saving up for your retirement, from um, the first salary you're already uh, paying, you already know the concepts such as paying yourself first. From your first salary, you understand the consequences of having too much debt and you understand what things like your assets and liabilities. So it was just that, that like, especially with our my background as well, we, if you didn't have any kind of education, financial education is definitely something that you probably don't have you know, uh, from your family, from your community. And um, these are things that we, like, we're not taught in our families, in our communities, but they are available in books, they're available on YouTube channels. And how can we actually get it to like a wider audience so that people are aware of all these topics? So yeah, that's how community living came about. And are you seeing, are you getting feedback and responses about it to, to really indicate that this is something that people need to be hearing about? And definitely, you know, it's always good to get that feedback the way you're saying. Yeah, um, to talk yeah. yeah uh, I am. But <laughs> my vision is currently, I haven't really like achieved what I hoped for. I hope for more, like the reason I use YouTube was uh, the fact that you can have like a community on a YouTube channel, right? So I would have liked for more engagement, uh, but unfortunately, when it comes to finance, a lot of people would rather take the back seat, mm-hmm. you know? In terms of like what I'm referring to in terms of like the backseat approach is that I get more people who'd like for me to advise them on what to do than actually 
what they can learn. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you get what I mean. So mm-hmm. it's more of a financial literacy channel, but they they would prefer for financial advisors to just say, take this package, take this product, do this and that, and then you're on your way to um, creating wealth or you're on your way to being financially or achieving financial freedom so like they want like quick wins whereas Mm. with finance there isn't like a quick win Mm. you know so it's a very long game to play it's not it it is yeah who are some of the black female role models you've had either in stem i mean you've talked a little bit about your aunt who who um kind of guided you in your younger years but who has been a focal point for you in the stem industry or any other way in the education industry, um, since you focus quite a bit on education initiatives? So in terms of female role models in the STEM field, it definitely has to be uh, Professor Mamocheti Pakeng. Um, she is the current vice chancellor of the University of Cape Town. And um, she, is a, she holds a PhD in mathematics, right? So the reason that uh, she's... She's currently like my role model or she's always been someone that I look look up to is that she's one of the people who uh, during my high school journey actually chose to work with uh, my high school, right? So there was a night where they actually took us to like a graduate ceremony to just for us to experience that because she knows that a lot of um, the kids in township schools, they either don't have anyone in their family that has ever graduated or they don't even understand the concept of a graduate ceremony. So she's someone who's who walks the talk. Like um she uses her power to influence on a daily basis. Like it's not because she's like especially on Twitter, she did for being, you know, this awesome uh like professor this awesome black female black excellence like she's mm. just synonymous with that but um i knew her way before she even be- became like um this fa- this famous right the fact that um she was doing all that work prior to this and another thing was when she got to uct instead of having like a big bash for um like their final year I don't know what it's called, like Christmas party or something of that nature. She actually decided to use the money to pay for students that couldn't graduate. Because the thing about UCT is that if you haven't paid your fees, you cannot graduate at all. I know with UP, you can graduate, but you don't get your your degree up until you've paid up everything. Mm -hmm. So she actually went back to say how many people hadn't yet graduated maybe three four five years of not being able to graduate because you couldn't pay fees and she actually did that so she has she's using her power to influence it's it wasn't just about alcohol it wasn't just about being like you know uh reaching that highest level of academia as she currently is the biggest being the vice chancellor of the biggest university in the southern african region but um actually using that position to really influence and really impact and really bring forth social change so i think that's why she's currently my my role model that's amazing that's amazing that she's doing that kind of thing i mean it's 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 really um you know south africa did go through that period of fees must fall and 
fees is um a challenge concern. Mm. yeah it's a very big concern for a lot of students and for her to do something like that to to pay again with the paid forward right um mm-hmm. and and um give students the opportunity to graduate it's 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 a big mm-hmm. deal um so that's that's really amazing um i have one last question for you uh Malevo. i want to know what advice you have for young girls who are looking to either go into the stem field um or are trying to understand how to navigate their career journey what advice would you have for them um i think with my personal experience where i decided so early in my life i would say that be open to learn more about your field before you dive right into it like don't be too stubborn and don't be influenced about things like salary things like career like what is it called this thing where um they're telling you job opportunities basically you know there was a time where they'd say uh if you said the like it industry is saturated or anything of that sort but currently we see that a lot of companies need it graduates Mm. so your decision to go into a specific career shouldn't be influenced by anything apart from your passion and your purpose as well in life like when those two things meet it should be what actually uh, makes you decide on a specific career field and um like the little things uh that when you're growing up maybe they tell you this and you're like this person you're like that person like just try and see which career field best suit that person instead of trying to alter a career to suit you i don't know if you understand what i'm saying with that whole thing of uh trying to get a career field to actually accommodate your personality or your aspirations or your uh passions so that's what I would say to anyone, not necessarily just the field that I uh, went into. And um, another thing that I'll say about my chosen field is that don't be intimidated about the whole thing of it's a male-dominated field. Like, I, I've never actually felt that line I don't know. Some obviously, we all have uh, different experiences around uh, anything, really. So I've never felt like it's a male-dominated field, even though I would be like surrounded by uh, males most of the time. I've never felt that being a female uh, made me any less of an engineer or made me mm. any less of a suitable candidate in that role. Mm. So yeah, amazing. Um, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much, Malebu. This has been really such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Untitled Shiro. To find out more about the Tutopile initiative, go to Twitter or Instagram at tutopile underscore I-N-I. Tune in next week Wednesday for another amazing story. Until then...